Erevin, Paragimel Mishnah Base, 3-2. We just got finished saying that the food used for the Erev Tchumen must be edible. According to Chum, as long as somebody can eat it, that's fine. According to Sumchas, it has to be the person who is setting up the Erev Tchumen for himself. He has to be able to eat it. Whatever the case here in our Mishnah, we're going to first talk about various types of foods that, for one reason or another, either you would think that they shouldn't be valid, they shouldn't be edible, but the Mishnah will say, nevertheless, they are valid for use as Eretchumen, and then we'll talk about other kinds of foods where you would think for some reason perhaps that they would be valid, but in fact they're not valid. And here we go. This list is very familiar to us. It comes up a number of times throughout Shas. Uh, we had an 18th parak of uh, Shabbos, which is, we just finished. We'll have it in the next set, the second parak of Masechus Pesachim, etc. We had a number of times the same list, essentially. And here the Mishnah says, Ma'arvin b'damai. First of all, you could use damai for your Eretchumen, was Demai, I'll remind you very briefly, we learn back in Masechus Demai, that in the time of Bayasheni, they took a survey, Yochan and Kongadal, and they discovered that while the majority of Amhe Aretz do take the tithes properly, a significant minority do, do, minority do not. And because of that, and the rabbi said, we may not rely on the simple principle of majority being okay. Um, we have to take food that was taken, purchased from an Amaretz or acquired from an Amaretz and um, do additional tithing on it. Specifically, we have to do the Trumas Meiser and redeem the Kedusha's Meiser Shani as applicable. Um, Trumas Meiser, you recall, is the is the um, the tenth that the Levi gets when he gets his tenth of Meiser Rishon. So that means that normally Demai is considered to be quote-unquote unkosher. You can't eat it. However, um, the rabbis were lenient in certain regards regarding who could eat Demai. Um, most significantly, a person who is considered an ani, a poor person, um, could rely, does not need to be strict um, based on this Dinder and take additional tithes off Demai. You can eat Demai as is. And therefore, that being the case, the Mishnah here is saying that one can um, use Demai as his Erev Tchumen. The reason why is because it's, according to the Chacham, it's edible by somebody, any poor person could eat it, so it's fine. Kind of like we had the truma being used by the Israel previously. Even some however, will agree that a person could use Demai, even if he is not a poor person, just like we had over there in the previous mission regarding the Nazir using wine. Um, here, the same principle of Ho'il, let's call it, um, since, since if the person really wanted to eat this food, he could declare all his possessions um, he, he could be mafka them, he could relinquish ownership over all his possessions, turning himself into an ani, and therefore to be able to eat the demai. So therefore, demai, you might think, is no good because it's quote-unquote not kosher, but it's okay if Erev Tchumen. Second of all, umaisa rishon shin trumaso. If you have maisa rishon, that's the first tithe, meaning the, the tenth that's given to the levi after trumagadola, the first 2% is given to a kohen. Um, provided that nitla trumaso, its truma had been taken from it. So now, that sounds on face value to be, of course, not a problem. Why in the world um, would you even think that Maeser Rishon that had its truma taken from it would be a problem? The answer is because we're talking here about a, a strange case where the Levi went to the farmer and got his Maeser Rishon before the farmer took off the truma's Maeser. That's perhaps disallowed in a cer- certain circumstances, and certainly we're sort of shortchanging the Kohen, However, the rule is that technically, if the Levi came and acquired his Trumas, excuse me, his Meiser Rishon prior to the 
farmer finishing the processing of the food, Gemar Malacha, then the strict obligation to separate Truma Gadola for the Kohen hasn't kicked in yet. And therefore, if the Levi jumps to the front of the line and gets there before the Kohen does, um, in fact, the food he acquires will simply be exempt from Truma Gadola. So this is talking about food here that never had Truma Gadola taken from it. So the Mishnah says, provided that that Truma's Miser, which is the 10% that the Levi must give once he gets a 10%, his Miser Rishon, he has to separate the Truma's Miser, and as long as he did that, even though Truma Gadola was never taken from it, it's still acceptable to be used as food for Erev Tchumen. Next on the list is Umaser Sheni Vehektesh Niftu. So we're talking about two separate things here, Miser Sheni and also Hektesh, that was redeemed, so let's do each one separately. Miser Sheni, that was... Um, the second tithe, you'll recall that in the seven-year Shemitah cycle, there are two um, mini three-year cycles, the first three years and then the second three years, so years one, two, three, and then four, five, six, followed by the seventh year, which is Shemitah, and there are no tithes taken. So in the first two of the three years of each of the three-year mini-cycles, meaning years one and two, and again years four and five, there's a second tithe taken after Meister Rishon is given to the Kohen. Meister Shani is separated, and that food is taken to Yerushalayim to be consumed in Yerushalayim. Now, if you, for whatever reason, aren't going to be taking your food up to Yerushalayim to eat it over there, Bikudusha, what you can do is redeem the sanctity, Pidion, we can redeem the sanctity from the, truma, the Meister Shani food um, onto a coin, bring the coins to Yerushalayim, and then spend the coins in Yerushalayim on foodstuffs. So, here we're talking about a case where a person um, redeemed the Kedusha off of the Meister Shani, and now we're saying that that food, once redeemed, can be used as an Eruv for Eruv Tchumen, even outside of Yushalayim. And you might ask yourself then, well, why, of course, would that be a problem if it's been properly redeemed, so then it's just Chulin, it's regular food? And the answer is because when you redeem your Meister Shani food, you're supposed to be Mosef Achomish. For every four units of value that you redeem, you're supposed to add a fifth um, to the value of the redemption. So, for example, if you have, um, you're redeeming figs, and figs go for a shekel each. So, for every four figs that you redeem, you're supposed to add a fifth shekel in the redemption value. So, every four figs should be redeemed for five shekels. Um, that's the proper thing to do. That's a separate mitzvah. But if you fail to be most of the homish, you fail to add that extra fifth, meaning you only put down four shekels, which is the value indeed of four figs, um, that will be sufficient and that will effectively um, deconsecrate and tithe your Meister Shani, that it means it can be eaten outside of Yushalayim. So the point of the mission is, even though you didn't add the extra fifth to your redemption value, um, so you've failed through that mitzvah, nevertheless, the food itself is effectively redeemed and then quote-unquote kosher, and that being the case, can be used for your Erev Tchumen. Same kind of thing goes for the Hekdesh. Hekdesh is um, when you consecrate private property to belong to the base of Mikdash. Um, there are two basic categories of that we're talking here about of Bedeka bias. That is, you have something which is not going to go on the Mizbeach, on the altar. Instead, you're basically giving it um, for the base of Mikdash to monetize, like to sell in the gift shop or whatever it is, to resell it, and then get the money to be used for upkeep of the base of Mikdash. So, again, you have some figs. You want to give them to the base of Mikdash, so you're Maktish them. Now they're base of Mikdash properly, property. Um, so again, if it's a shekel of fig and you were a maktish for figs, so therefore, if you're going to redeem those figs, um, then sending the send the you know the money, give the money to the base of mikdash. So the proper thing to do is to redeem it for the value of five. So in other words, if they're yeah, adding a chomish, um, if you fail to do that and only put down four shekels in your redemption of the four figs, 
it'll be effective. You've done something wrong by not adding the chomish, but still the figs are indeed redeemed. It's the same idea here. You've redeemed these figs, but not with the full amount. Still you're yotzi and you're okay. And therefore the foods can be eaten and you can use these figs for your Arab tchumen. Next, we have... Um, sorry, I lost my place here. The Kohanim Bechalo Vetruma. And Kohanim can use Chala and Truma. Now, the truth is, we saw previously that um, the Chacham hold that even a non-Kohen could use Chala and Truma. Chala, of course, being the separation from the dough for the Kohanim. Truma, we're talking here, Truma Gadola, or for that matter, um, Truma Smicer. Um, still, since a Kohen can eat it, it's okay to be used as your food for your Erev Tchumen. According to Sumchus, would have to be Dafka Kohen. Anyways, the missionary is not taking sides with Sumchus. Um, here, the reason why it's saying Kohanim here is just because one of two reasons. Um, first of all, it could simply be saying that it's um, who normally has Chala and Truma, the Kohen. So we're talking uh, what was commonplace. Um, second possibility, they're not mutually exclusive, is that we're simply um, doing a cut and paste here. This list, these very words, is how it is listed in Psachim, the second parak. Over there, we have the same list of of quote-unquote, you know, dubious, um, cautious foods. And the point over there, we're talking about kohanim, um, what kinds of flour they could use to make their matzah to be yotzi. And of course, when it comes to kohanim, if they want to eat matzah and be yotzi, it'll have to be um, only kohanim who could eat chala and truma. A non-kohan certainly can't be yotzi by eating chala or truma matzah. Um, so just since I cut and paste from the Mishnah over there, and therefore the Mishnah keeps those very same words. Now, the other side of the coin, here we're going to have different foods which you might think for some reason would be okay, but the answer is they're not okay, even Bidyevit. If you use these foods, they're not kosher, they can't be eaten, and therefore they will not be okay for your Erev Tchumen. The first is Avaloba Tevel. You can't use Tevel. Now, of course, Tevel means untied uh, produce, Tovlo, no good. And if that's the case, why in the world would you think you could possibly use untied food? Because it's you know like the carriage with it, the misa death at the hands of heaven, very unkosher, can't eat that. So the answer is, um, even if you have something that's tevel, but it's only tevel medurabanon, like for example, food that grew inside a flower pot, which didn't have any holes in it. So since technically medoraisa, there's no chiv of trumas maestras because it grew in a flower pot on the ground. Um, it's only a durabanon requirement. The mission is saying you're too bad if you use that quote unquote unkosher medurabanon tevel produce. Cannot since no one's allowed to eat it. It's also a to eat. It can't be used for your Eretz Tchumen. Same goes, Same goes, you can't use Maserishan uh, that didn't have its Truma taken from it. So obviously, if it didn't have its Truma taken from it, meaning that you would think that means the um, Trumas Maser, the 10% of the Kohen receives from the Levi's 10%, Maserishan. And of course, it's not kosher, and that would be no good. The point here, the Mishnah is, it's kind of going back to the same story we had before, the Kohen cuts in front of the line, gets the produce before the... I'm sorry, the Levy cuts in front of the line. He gets the produce before the Kohen can get his fair share. Um, and then he takes it all as Meiser Rishon, tied to just 10% to give to the Kohen his Trumas Meiser. Um, the problem is here is that by the time the Levy got to the front of the line to get to the produce from the farmer, the farmer had already done Gemar Malach. He finished processing the food, and therefore the strict obligation for taking... Truma Gadol has already kicked in, so if, even if the lady cuts in front of the line, he has to still separate both Truma Gadola as well, I should say, he has to separate both, not just Truma Gadola, but also, I guess I'll say this, he has to separate 
not just Trumas Meiser, which he always does and which he did, but even Truma Gedola. Because um, Truma Gedola has to come out from the food once it has Gemar Malacha. That being the case, if you use Meiser Rishna that didn't have Truma Gedola taken from it, it has, it's not kosher and therefore can't be used as your Erev Tchumen food. Same goes Veloba Maser Sheni Vehektish Lo Niftu. If you have Meiser Sheni food or Hektish food that wasn't redeemed, no good. Again, you ask the question, of course, not okay. Meister Shani has to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Hektish belongs to the base of Mikdash. That's not kosher, so to speak. Um, but the answer is we're talking here about um, foods that you attempted to redeem, but just were not, um, they weren't effective, even Bidyevit. So um, that would be, for example, if you tried to redeem the Kedusha off of the Meister Shani or the Hektish, um, uh, onto, let's say, Meister Shani onto a, a coin, let's say, but the coin is not a, not a coin, it's a, it's a slug meaning it's not a minted coin, it's just like a silver ingot or just like a, you know, a copper disc or something. If it's not stamped without a tsura on it, with like an impression um, on the coin, then it's not acceptable as a means of redemption, a source to receive the Kedusha from the Meister Shani. So that being the case, if you try to, it's called an Asimon in Hebrew, if you try to redeem the Kedusha onto an Asimon, ineffective, not kosher. Same goes for Hektish, you try to redeem, say, we try to redeem the Hektish onto, let's say, um, not a coin, but onto, say, land. So land is not acceptable. You have to use a coin. If you try to use land to receive Kedusha's Meister Shani or Hektish, it just won't work. So therefore, even if you t- tried to redeem it, you did not redeem it, and therefore the Meister Shani and the Hektish is inedible and therefore can't be used as your, as your uh, food for your Erev for Tchum. Okay, period. New paragraph. So to speak, a new Mishnah. I mean, it's the same Mishnah, but we're going to a whole new topic here. And here it says, um, here we're going to talk about who you can be you who you can use to deposit your food, your Meister Shani, uh, excuse me, your uh, Erev Tchumen um, at the place you want to be, your Malkum Shvisa. So basically you have a picnic basket and you send it with someone and you tell that person, put the picnic basket in the place such and such and that place such and such will be my my home base, the locus of my um, my Tchum, center of my Tchum for, for Shabbos. Now what's happening is the person you're appointing to put that picnic basket down is formerly a shaliach who's establishing your home for you. So therefore, it has to be a person who is a legitimate shaliach, a legitimate agent. And certain persons are simply invalid as agents. And that being the case, um, it won't work. So first of all, we have the usual triumvirate of invalid agents, the cherish, shota, and katan. Here they are. Hashaliach eruvo. If one sends his erev tchumen, the picnic basket, Biyad in the hand of a cherish, cherish deaf mute, shota mentally incompetent, or a katan, a minor, then it will simply not work. Eno erev. Why not? Because those three people haven't got das. They haven't, and that being the case, they're not valid agents. What does that mean? Let's take them apart one at a time quickly. The first is the cherish. Cherish a deaf mute. That means someone who can't, not just can't hear, which is often the meaning of cherish, but can't even speak. And the assumption is that a person who is um, a deaf mute. Um, has nothing going on upstairs. The question everyone always asks me is, what about people like Helen Keller or people today? So in the time of the Mishnah, for sure, um, someone who couldn't hear and couldn't speak was considered to be just like a mentally closed box, nothing inside there, and therefore no das. What the status today of Helen Keller would be? Fascinating question, not for now. Um, Second of all, the shota. Shota is someone who's mentally incompetent. So that means... um, the way I try to sum it up is someone who does not understand the consequences of their actions. Um, so that could mean someone who has, you know, some kind of psychosis or someone who is just really, really, really um, mentally deficient. Um, the 
the Gemara gives examples. So it gives people, like for a person who, if you give them a shirt, they'll just tear the shirt. Or you let them, they'll, they'll sleep in a graveyard. Meaning they don't understand these are inappropriate or dangerous or foolish things to do. They just don't get it. So that's the Shota. And the Katan is a minor. So that means simply a boy who's not bar mitzvah, girl who's not bas mitzvah. They haven't got das, and therefore they can't act as your legal agent to set up your makum shvisa. Also, invalid agents are obiyad eruv. If you send your heir to someone who doesn't agree, like who rejects this um, this notion, this rabbinic notion, I'll call it, of um, you can symbolically set up a different home base for Shabbos with your makum shvisa. If they don't buy it, they just reject that idea. So, for example, you'd have the kusim, the kusim bias rishon. They started, but there were those converts who were brought in by the Assyrians. They didn't really, they weren't Jewish or anything. They were just Odevarazar. And then the lions started eating them. They got nervous that the local gods don't like them. They converted to being Jewish. Um, they ended up being pretty zealous about keeping things that are written black and white in the Chumash, but not particularly concerned with the rabbinic uh, authority and the rabbinic interpretations and rabbinic um, halach, etc. So they just didn't buy the Arab thing. Same with Stukim, the Stukim, the bartender brings Stukim, rejected the Torah Shabbat Torah altogether. So those people reject the notion of um, an heir of being effective in any way, and that being the case, they're simply invalid to act as your agent. So in all those cases, if you, that's your shaliach to set up your picnic basket for your heir of Tchumen, Eno Erev won't work. But, if you appoint another person on the far side, to accept the picnic basket and put it down to be the agent to effect your Malcolm Shvisa, then Harez Erev, it's going to work. Meaning the child or the the Cherish or the whatever, the Shota or the Tzuki, Kusi, their job is to be a delivery boy or delivery girl and bring the picnic basket, but then your trusted agent, Shaliyah, will be on the far side to receive it and put it down for you. That's going to be okay. As long as you know for a fact that your agent, who's a competent legal agent, um, did receive the picnic basket, it doesn't matter you saw him put it down. As long as he received it, um, there's a general chazak, you can always assume that shliach osa shlichuso, that a shliach who has been charged and appointed to do something um, carries out um, what he was charged to do. So as long as you know that your shliach who's legally acceptable as a shliach got the food, the picnic basket for to set up your Eretz Chumen, then you have an Eretz Chumen and you can rely on that on, and, uh, and use that as the center of your Tchum on Shabbos.